everything, everything, everything gonna be all right this morning. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is producer Dawson Iserlow and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. Jalen Hurts got paid. The former Alabama-Oklahoma quarterback that helped lead the Eagles to a Super Bowl appearance this past season gets himself paid. What does that mean for the Eagles' ability to continue being a dominant team in the NFC? What does that mean for Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens? And, uh, oh, yeah, what is that going to mean for Joe Burrow in the Cincinnati Bengals? We'll dive into that and so much more on this edition of RP3 and Company. I'm your host, the big, bald, and beautiful one, Raymond Parch III. Of course, I'm joined inside the Evco Development Studios here in Upper Lafayette by the producer extraordinaire, Mr. Dawson Iserlow. Woo. Got a lot to get to today. We're going to preview Raging Cajuns Tigers baseball game at the box, which I'll be attending this evening. We'll get into that. We'll talk NBA playoffs. We'll get around to the Zion Williamson being thrown under the bus by his <laughs> vice president of basketball operations, which we didn't even have a chance to get to yesterday. We'll do a deeper dive into that this morning. And, of course, we'll take your phone calls. Game hotline is open, as always. 337-706-0111. That's 337-706-0111. But we're going to start with the news that broke, I do believe, yesterday during Foot Show. We didn't have a chance to talk about it here on RP3 and Company. Now, I find it fascinating. Jalen Hurts gets paid and first of all good for him anytime somebody can go out there and hustle through hard work to get themselves paid a guy who has a great story right benched as the starting quarterback at Alabama forced to be the backup comes in and helps rescue Alabama in an SEC title game transfers, goes to Oklahoma, finishes as a Heisman runner-up, but still is only a second-round draft pick. Wasn't given the keys, right? Wasn't given the keys by the Eagles. He had to earn it. And then really developed because the Eagles did a nice job of giving him multiple weapons. Five-year, $255 million extension including $179 million guaranteed. Hertz becomes the highest paid player in NFL history in a deal negotiated by Nicole Lynn of Clutch Sports Group and Eagles GM Howie Roseman. So let's just dive in here quickly for the Eagles. They had a lot of... They took, in many ways, kind of the Rams approach to a lesser degree. They built up their own core guys, but then they added pieces, right? 
team-friendly one-year deals to help kind of construct their roster last year that made it to the Super Bowl. Well, we know they've already lost some guys this offseason, just like Kansas City's lost guys the last couple of years. So that's part of it. I'm surprised how we gave out a hundred and essentially hundred and eighty million dollar guaranteed contract to a quarterback. I'm a little surprised by that. I'm surprised by the timing of this because they still had time to get a deal done. But credit the Eagles for saying, you know what? This is our guy. This is our franchise quarterback. We're going to get the deal done, and then we'll figure out the rest. So good for Jalen and good for the Eagles because Philly is avoiding what Baltimore is going through right now. And this is just another reflection on the poor approach that the Baltimore Ravens took with dealing with Lamar Jackson. I will sit here and tell you that the, the former longtime GM, Ozzie Newsom, this would have never gotten to this point with Lamar. It just wouldn't have. Ozzie was famously known for getting deals done with the star players because, remember, he was a star player himself, a national champion, tight end, and then played in the NFL for a very long time. When Ozzy stepped away, you were like, if Ozzy was still in Baltimore, this wouldn't be a situation with Lamar Jackson right now. Just wouldn't be. What are you doing, Ravens? Like, I kept, we kept getting told, well, the Deshaun Watson deal is an outlier. Okay. And maybe the Deshaun Watson deal is an outlier because that contract, I do believe, is fully guaranteed. And it's more than $200 million. Between Watson and the Browns. Okay. Jalen Hurts is getting $179 million guaranteed. His contract with incentives is worth $255 million. So this whole notion that the market and other NFL teams aren't going to overpay their franchise quarterbacks is nonsense. Kyler Murray gets a contract extension before he should have even gotten one. And I don't believe he's worth the money that they're giving him. Lamar Jackson's a far better player than Kyler Murray. A far more proven player than Kyler Murray. Yet Kyler gets paid. Deshaun Watson hasn't played football in two years before this last year. He looked awful when he did play. Oh, and you have all the off-the-field baggage. That didn't stop Cleveland from paying him. This whole notion that you're going to somehow have other teams not pay quarterbacks is just nonsense. And Baltimore has screwed this up. Has screwed this up to the point where they're either going to have to back up the Brinks truck now, Dawson, or they're going to lose their franchise quarterback. That's what's going to happen here. There's no going to be no, there's going to be no in between. There's just not. Oh, and now that Jalen gets paid an enormous amount of money, if I'm Joe Burrow, I'm like, that's great. 
Kyler Murray gets that big contract extension. Jalen Hurts gets this big contract extension. How much money can I get from Cincinnati? Yeah, Burrow might be the biggest winner of all this, to be honest with you. But there's a couple of things that are interesting about this situation. Number one, like, I know we're piling on the Ravens this morning, but, like, there are, and I don't know how much of it's true, but there are reports that the Ravens had offered Lamar a very similar contract to what Jalen Hurts got a long time ago. And so I don't know if we could forget that. And, and again, we don't know the details of that, and that's just kind of how these negotiations work. But that's, that's, that's a report. I don't have anything physically in front of me. Right, but we also don't have anything physically in front of us telling us what, you know, uh, what Lamar Jackson was offering back or you know, countering Correct, or what well. he's wanting, yes. So, yeah. but th- so I think that's something to keep in note. The other thing that's, that's crazy to me, and I know, we've, you know it's been discussed a lot, so it's not like it's breaking news, but... The fact that Deshaun Watson, and it's 230, by the way, for Deshaun, so actually slightly smaller number overall than Hurts, but more guaranteed because it was fully guaranteed. Fully guaranteed, yes. The fact that he's the guy who got the fully guaranteed contract, number one, <laughs> just shows you what Cleveland is doing as an and, and has done for the past 25 years, right? But, like, that the guy, the fully guaranteed deal, like, if Mahomes would have got the fully guaranteed deal, you'd have said, well, it is Mahomes, like... If anybody was going to get it, it was going to be Mahomes, a guy, a guy who's never been in trouble off the field and has been you know, legit, non-questioned MVP almost every time he's been on the field. But yet they gave it to the guy that hadn't played and had tons of legal issues. Like it, That's just unbelievable to me, and I, I don't know if it was made a big enough deal, how ridiculous that deal. Even if Deshaun had come back and played great last year, it still would have been ridiculous that the Browns would have given him that, the fully guaranteed deal, that he would have been... Like, you know, the one to break through and get the fully guaranteed deal. So, again, that's part of the reason, I think, why you saw all this pushback from the other owners that said, whoa, 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 this isn't just going to be standard operating practice now. Like, we, we can't just be giving these fully guaranteed deals out. But, and you're right, and I do believe, I do believe conversations have been had. I think that hurts Lamar, and I think Lamar not having an agent hurts him in this regard because an agent would be the one negotiating behind the scenes and having – private conversations with ownerships right right and well and 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 that's part of it that has has helped deteriorate things here as well okay I just think that relationship is if 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 Ozzy was still there this wouldn't have happened I'm I'm just telling you it would never we never for years Dawson for years for 20 years we never heard about disgruntled players with the Baltimore Ravens contracts were never brought to the forefront it was never in the public eye they got deals done behind the scenes and got it done and that's how Ozzy operated the Ravens they don't operate that way anymore and I look quarterback is probably the most overpaid position in of all sports but that is what the standard is you can't try to go cheap with a former league MVP. You just can't do that. Like that, that this isn't a guy. That, that, we're not talking about Sam Darnold here. We're talking about a guy that maybe his game is flawed, but he is a legit top ten starting quarterback in the league. And you're messing around, and you're not getting the deal done. Like that's the part of it. That, well, and, and you mentioned Lamar not having an agent. Well, did you see the story too about Jalen Hurts' agent, Nicole Lynn, who is someone who 
essentially sent him a, a DM, Hail Mary, just basically said, like, hey, I don't know if you have an agent yet. This was back, I guess, through the pre-draft process, but said I'd be interested in, in representing you. And Jalen said, yeah, let's meet. And she became his agent, and now she just helped him secure the biggest contract in NFL history. So how about that story? Kind Dude. of the opposite end of the spectrum with Lamar not having an agent. Well, now you have this. And that's everything about Jalen Hurts is like a, is literally, and I saw some tweets about this, it's like a feel-good movie story. Like everything about Jalen Hurts. Like the, he's the Correct. top prospect, and he's the best player, and he goes to Alabama, and he shines, and then he struggles, and then he gets benched. And then he's, you know, he cheers him on from the sidelines, and he doesn't, you know, he takes the high road, and he stays. And then he transfers eventually, and he goes to Oklahoma, and he, and he wins the accolades, and he, and he heads to the NFL, and he's again the underdog when he's a late draft pick, and he's not really believed in, and he, and he mm-hmm. rises back up as a starter. He has an agent who, you know, was somebody who just took a chance and was hoping that he would, you know, somehow choose her. He did, and now he's the highest-played player in NFL history. Just like a, it's a crazy story. You know, it's one of those, if they wrote a movie script, you'd say it was too cheesy. It's kind of crazy how that happened. Look, when you look at the highest-paid quarterbacks, Hurts is now that. Rodgers is number two. Okay? So, you have some other guys on the list. You realize Jalen Hurts, I mean, not Jalen Hurts, Kyler Murray is number four. Kyler Murray. That's Forget about Deshaun Watson. Kyler Murray is the biggest problem for the Baltimore Ravens. Because... Kyler Murray has more guaranteed money than Jalen Hurts does, by the way. Hurts' contract is guaranteed for $179 million. Kyler Murray has $189.5 million in guarantees. So, <laughs> you're trying to tell me Kyler Murray's better? No. Well, as we near the break, this just makes me feel even better about the contract that the Saints gave Derek Carr when people kind of scoffed at that. I just felt I felt fine about it then, and I feel better about it now. He's going to end up being on the salary scale where he is a middle tier right. right and he's not Jalen Hurts but we didn't pay him like that and so I again I I when the contract happened I said that's fine it's not going to feel like an overpay I said let's wait for some of these other quarterback domino contracts to fall and here we are and I feel even better about it now than I did then Daniel Jones happened first right and now we see the progression of that and and I just think Again, if Derek Carr plays anywhere above average, not to make this all about the Saints, which I'll do if I have a chance to at any point, but if he plays it any in any way what he's capable of, you're gonna have you're not gonna have overpaid. Maybe you'll have paid correctly. Maybe you won't have gotten such a steal, right? But you'll have paid correctly and you you'll will feel have good paid, about it. You will have paid correctly. By the way, Dak Prescott, Matthew Stafford, Daniel Jones are ten, nine, and eight on the highest paid quarterbacks list. And Baltimore's like, you better figure it out. Somebody's got to intervene there. And by the way, as you pointed out, the big winner here, it'll eventually be Lamar. But the big winner besides Jalen Hurts? Oh, Joseph Burrow. His team is just sitting back going, how much fully guaranteed money can we get? Let's see. Let's see how we're going to roll with this. Because that guy is going to get absolutely paid. Paid. Oh, and NFL owners will tell you that, you know, oh, there's uh, there's, uh, there's not enough money. Uh, That's BS. By the way, Russell Wilson wrecking golf carts, the third highest paid quarterback in the league. So, 
just like to throw that out there. What are you doing? What are we doing? Ross, what are you doing? Wrecking golf carts in your free time? That's a great impression for the new coach. Hey, uh, Russ, you're dedicated to turning things around here in Denver, right? Yeah, coach, I got this. Let's go. Let's ride. Let's go. Okay. Hey, Russ, um, smashing a golf cart on the golf course and wrecking? All right, sure. That's that's good leadership. That shows a commitment to turning around the Broncos. Whoa, what happened to Russ? We got to take a timeout. When we return here on RP3 and Company, NBA playoff action. Woo. One team up 2-0, not surprising. Another team up 2-0, very surprising. We'll talk about that next right here on The Game. This is RP3 and Company on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update. Presented by Tibbs Trailers here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Duo leads in the NBA playoffs after last night's pair of games. The first one went as expected. Look, the fact that the Brooklyn Nets were able to make the NBA playoffs after Kevin Durant being forced out and Kyrie Irving being forced out of Brooklyn, they have a bunch of what I call nice pieces. And I really like Cam Thomas. But they don't have a guy to build around, right? So they're in the midst of a transition. The fact that they were able to hold on and not have to be in the playing tournament is a great success for Brooklyn. They have a bunch of assets now. They can build their roster in a more organic way instead of just trying to piece everything together through free agency and trades. The 76ers are just very, they're just so good. Harden hasn't got to the free throw line at all. In the two playoff games, which a couple years ago, it was James flopping around, getting to the free throw line all the time. So James Harden's playing well, but really, it's Joel Embiid. 2019-7 was his stat line from last night. As the 76ers win 96-84, to they're up two games to none. D'Lo, do we expect the Nets to win a game at all? Or do we think this is going to be a sweep? Maybe one. Maybe at home. Maybe the crowd behind them. Maybe one. But I would say sweep or gentleman sweep. One or the other. So that series is kind of going as expected. Philly's the better team. Philly has the better talent. As expected. The one that has caught people off guard is the Sacramento-Golden State Series. The defending champs, who, let's be honest, kind of messed around this season. I know they had some injuries, including Andrew Wiggins. But let's be honest, the Warriors messed around. They were like, hey, we're the veteran team, we're the defending champs, we'll figure it out. They had that kind of attitude about them which is why they were such a lower seed. 
they avoided the play-in tournament, but they still had to take on the Sacramento Kings. Sack town in the playoffs for the first time in like 20 years. Well, Dawson's favorite player, Draymond Green, well, he didn't get away with his shenanigans last night, did he? He got ejected for stomping on Sabonis. Like, what are you doing, Draymond? And the Kings win 114-106. to 106. Golden State, the defending world champs, are now down two games to none. Draymond gets ejected in game two. Through the first two games, and I know, I get it, Golden State can turn on a switch. They have Steph Curry who can drop 40 or 45 or 50 at any moment's notice. Klay Thompson can give him 30, 35 at any, I, I get all that. Through the first two games, the better team has been Sacramento. It just has been. There's a reason why Sacramento's up 2 nothing, And I think this is, a, this is one of those situations where you have guys on the roster that are young dudes that don't care about Sacramento's history, that weren't even born when Vladi Divac led them to the Western Conference Finals and they lost to the Lakers in a series they probably should have won. Like, it doesn't matter. They're, they're a young core that's just playing together, and they're like, hey, and this team believes that they're better than Golden State. Why not us mentality? It's yes. a beautiful thing in sports. Now, I, I'll say a couple of things. Interesting to see. I, I don't know for sure. I haven't seen any conversation about it yet, but a Draymond suspension, I guess, would be possible, but I would think unlikely. Um, you know, Sabonis did instigate in this instance. He did. But obviously you can't respond by stomping on his chest the way Draymond did. And I mean And Draymond has know. a rep. Yeah, and so that's that's clear cut for me. But you know, I do think Sabonis. It was it was you know, it wasn't the cleanest play in the book by Sabonis to grab the ankle in the first place. But anyway, the old adage. You know, I mean, it's not great to use cliches, but it's sports radio, so I will. Series begins when a team wins a game off their home court, right? So correct. Golden State hasn't lost a home game in the series yet, so I don't think it's time to full blown panic. And they were one of the worst teams. They struggled on the road all year. On and the they road, were very good at home in the entire association. They yes. were very difficult to beat at home. So Sacramento's done what they should have done, or I guess I wouldn't say should have done, but what they needed to do. I think everyone expected a split. Yeah, I think that would have been that would have been probably what I expected. But so now they've done what they are supposed to do at home. Now can somebody win a road game? And to be honest, I would expect Golden State to win these next two at home and us head back to Sacramento three two or two two rather with a chance for somebody to go up three um, two. But we'll see. We'll see what happens. Yeah, they have been better. And look, Clay Clay Thompson was pretty good last night. Like Steph didn't have a great game, um, but. Warriors got to get something from somebody else besides those two. And, you know, Andrew Wiggins, he ends up with a decent point total, but he was not very good from the floor. And Draymond didn't give you much offensively, which, you know, you're not necessarily expecting a whole lot from him. But I don't know if I don't know if Golden State has the – and I guess it's something I overlooked all season because I constantly said I thought Golden State was going to be legit contenders. I just don't know if they have the supporting cast to make another run at it. Like, And, and it's not that it's too different from last year's group, but there's a couple of key – you know, interchanging pieces there. They're also older. Yeah, one year older on all those core guys. So, um, and lots of minutes. It'd be interesting to see. Yeah, lots of wear and tear on those core guys because of how long all those deep playoff runs have been for them. Right. That's part of it. 
it's essentially another quarter of a season almost, or you know, in some some instances, nearly half a season. So, look, the Warriors have never trailed 0-2 in a series. This group. <clears throat> in fact, the Warriors hadn't dropped the first two games of a playoff series since the 2007 Western Conference semifinals. So it's been a minute. But now they find themselves down 0-2. They missed open layups last night. They were outmatched physically, which has been an issue that they've had, let's be honest, all season. <clears throat> and they struggle to take care of the ball. And Draymond gets ejected. They even gave Sabonis x-rays on his sternum that came back negative as he has appeared to avoid injury. Look, he grabbed, Sabonis grabbed Green's leg. But you don't stomp on the guy. Like, like, come on, man. <laughs> like, you don't stomp on the guy. And we've talked about it before. Draymond gets away with so much that in his mind, he just thinks, hey, it's not a big deal. I'll just step on him. It's like, come on, dude. What are you doing? This is ridiculous. It's not a big deal. I'll just step on him. That's what you think he thought? <laughs> He's like, ah, 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 he won't let go of me, so I'm just going to step on him. It's not a big deal. I'm Draymond Green. Well, now remember, Draymond has been suspended in the playoffs before. Remember the 2016 NBA Finals? After you got too many flagrant fouls? I don't think he's going to get that together. I don't you know, think he's going to get suspended here. You know, and I, I I made a comment about the supporting cast and the roster, and I'm I'm looking back at, at the guys that played in their core playoff run last year, and like honestly, not as many differences as I th I thought there were a couple of peripheral guys, but like but Wiggins was healthy last year. Yeah, I guess I that's, that's a, a factor. But right? they played basically six guys last year in the playoff run. Now Otto Porter's the only guy you can say he gave him some good minutes off the bench, and he's not playing right now. You know, he's not part of that roster, but. Like, it's mostly the same guys, so maybe I wasn't quite, you know, my, my, my recollection there wasn't quite spot on, so, yeah, maybe it's more of what you're saying. Another another year, you know, the lack of, like, that, they had that, let's prove that we're still those guys. We're still relevant. Last year. And then they did it, and then the, right. you, ex you exhale, right? You, you just do. That's why it's so tough to, to win back-to-back. -to -back. They also had 20 turnovers last night. And you mentioned Steph. 28 points on 9 of 21 shooting. Wiggins was 9 of 19 shooting. He was more efficient than Steph Curry was. So those numbers have to get better, right? They just do. And, and Thompson gave him 21 points on 7 to 13 shooting. But Sacramento through two games looks like the better team. Now, as Dawson pointed out, the old adage is, the playoffs really don't begin until you steal a game on the road. That's what happens. Now, if the Dubs can go back and win both of their games at whatever the arena is they play now, because they don't play at the Oracle, which I think is a crying shame that they're not in Oakland, they're in San Francisco instead, but that's a discussion for another day. I thought the Oracle gave them a great home court advantage. but They play in the Chase Center. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh love, love that. Love that. <laughs> but look, if Sacramento steals a game, like if they if if we expect Golden State to win game three, if Sacramento can steal game four, that series is over. Well, if Sacramento can steal game three, that series is over. 
if it's it, honestly, if it's I don't know what it is too, but like if it's three zero, I think it's over. If it's two one and then becomes three one, I still give Golden Cha- Golden State a chance to win three straight games. But at three zero, I just don't uh, think you win. But, four but in two row. of those are going to have to be on the road. Yeah, I, I would still give them a chance. Uh, I wouldn't be like I wouldn't like their chances, but I would still give them a chance. We talked about how the Western Conference is going to be absolutely bananas, and it's kind of looking that way. We got to take a timeout. When we return, we'll talk about a team that's not in the playoffs, the New Orleans Pelicans. Something happened back on, what, Friday? that We're going to finally get around and dive into D'Lo and I, Zion, Griff, and the whole saga of the Pelicans. That's next right here on The Game. This is RP3 and Company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. This is RP3 and Company, live from the Evco Development Studios in Upper Lafayette on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. So, David Griffin and Zion Williamson are not on the same page. Stunned. And after last week, where Zion had the weird, you know, exchange with the media. And he was like, it's a mental thing. Okay. That's why he wasn't playing. Mentally, he wasn't there. And then in their last game... They're playing game. He's out there doing half-hearted windmill dunks. A lot of people got upset about that. Okay, but yeah. But then didn't play. Well, <laughs> the man in charge of the New Orleans Pelicans, the man who selected Zion Williamson number one overall, basketball operations chief David Griffin, expressed confidence Friday in team personnel responsible for managing player health after star forward Zion Williamson Missed 48 or more games for the third time in his four NBA seasons. By the way, not optimal. Griff said, we've got incredibly good people doing it. We've got to do a better job of translating those things to availability, which I'm not really for sure what that exactly means. (laughs) I'm not, not, not really for sure. But Griff did go on to talk about Zion, because remember Zion said that he was good to go physically, it was mental. It was mentally in his brain, worrying about re-injuring himself was the reason why he wasn't out there, essentially. Okay. And Zion said he wasn't going to play until he felt like Zion. Which one would argue, as much as he's injured, shouldn't he feel like Zion when he's injured? But I digress. That's a bad joke. Well, Griff said, I'm going to pump the brakes on that. Quote, he wasn't physically cleared to play. He was playing one-on-none. That goes against the reports that we started hearing about possibly him playing three-on-three. He was playing one-on-none. He went up and windmill dunked pregame. That's not the skill set that makes you capable of playing skilled five-on-five basketball. 
he was never cleared to play five-on-five basketball. So for people to now say he chose not to play basketball, that's nonsense. He was never cleared to even play three-on-three full court, Griffin added. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Griffin also said managing the health of the six foot six, two hundred and eighty-five pound. Williamson has been a learning process for both the team and the player. Quote, a big part of it is on him. There's a lot he can do better, and he would, I think, tell you that. He certainly owned up to that. We need to do a better job of maybe examining the whole situation top to bottom. We're not intentionally not doing the right thing, so I think finding a way to put him in the best situation to succeed is important, and his participation in that is a big part as well, end quote. This is year four, and this is what we've talked about before on this show. What Griff in the front office want and operate is not on the same page as their star player. They're not on the same I've, page. I've seen some different framing, too, and I'd have to go back and listen to the full press conference to know what the exactly led up to it. But what you just mentioned about the, what Griffin said at the end about Zion, uh, I've also seen frame that he was asked what has to happen for Zion to get in front of the media more often and explain himself more often, and that's when he answered, I think a big part of it is on him. So, like, I've seen a couple of different ways that that's been framed. And so, you know, again, like, I would have to go back and listen to the actual uncut audio to know, like, what the question. And I just hate when that happens. And, I mean, again, that's not that's not new. That happens in media. Like, when, when quotes happen, you you know, a lot of people take them and put them in the context they want them to put them in. But, like, I think a lot of that gets kind of, you know, but but the comments that Griffin made in general were kind of confusing. Like, he it kind of sounded like he started out wanting to take up for Zion and, and like, support him, and then, like, he kind of got annoyed halfway through and was like, well, a lot of it's his fault. And, and like, I don't know if Griffin meant to let that go, you know, the way he kind of pinned some of it back on Zion at the end there. Uh, but the whole thing, with with them saying they need to examine the situation from top to bottom, and I'm, 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 you know, again, I don't have the exact entire quote or what he meant when he said that, but I would imagine that means the whole, you know, information being shared or not shared and stuff and like to me that's kind of an unacceptable answer because they had an entire year to examine the situation and do it better like we've said it's your four the same thing it's your four so you can't still be messing that up like whether or not look if he gets hurt again you can't control that what you can control is how you handle the situation and it's now the second third fourth fifth time that they've messed up how to handle what seems like again i guess it's i shouldn't say it's easy because there's layers to it and you know there's different parties involved that have different interests and all that is is difficult to navigate like there's a reason that there's professionals in place to try to handle these situations I just think you can't keep messing it up I mean you just can't and 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 they did once again and that's just really disappointing Uh, as for the framing I pulled that from the Associated Press story by Brett Martell who's a respected journalist and that's also the story that was used by NBA.com so I understand. So the I was referencing the ESPN one. So I guess there's just a little bit of a difference there in, in the two. So the bigger point is there's no synergy with this team between its franchise player and the man running 
basketball operations. There's none. There, there isn't anything there. How did they screw this up? Like, that's the bigger thing. I keep getting told over and over again, RP3, the potential for this team to be a contender is so great. Guys, teams that have front offices that aren't on the same page, that aren't in lockstep with the face of the franchise, with their star players, don't succeed they don't succeed. They don't succeed. This is proven over and over and over again. Everyone simply bypasses the fact that this is year number four and Camp Zion and Camp Griffin are not on the same page. This shouldn't be happening. The excuses of, well, he's young. I don't want to hear. He's been in the league now four years. He's a veteran player now. Period. This shouldn't be happening. And if you think for a minute that Zion's health is what keeps this team from achieving its goals, you're not paying attention. And I don't mean that in a disrespectful way. Because the easy thing to look at with you look at the Pelican situation is, hey, hey, well, if Zion's healthy, everything's fixed. It's not how it works. There's things about the roster construction. There's things about the coaching staff. And more importantly, there's the relationship between the star player, the face of the franchise, and the man running the franchise. They're not on the same page. It doesn't matter if Zion's healthy. You're not going to be a successful, consistently ran franchise if that's the case. And here we stand at the completion of year number four. Boys and girls, that's a presidential term. The federal government is able to get laws passed and is actually to be more competent than the Pells are with Zion. Don't be distracted by the shiny thing in the store window, which is his health. There is a disconnect between him and Griff, or Zion's camp and Griff. And until that gets resolved, this team will not achieve its goals. You can focus on the health all you want, and that's been a big role. But I'm telling you, I've been around enough franchises, I've been around enough team dynamics to know if you're still dealing with one side and another side and they're not lockstep after four years, the likelihood of them becoming lockstep in year five or year six is minuscule. Period. And that is a bigger problem. Got to take a timeout. More RP3 and company coming up. Unveil that poll question of the day. That's next right here on The Game. This is RP3 and company on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. RP3 came to the station this morning to do only two things. Kick some ass and drink some beer. Looks like we're almost out of beer. Well, it's kind of early for the latter. 
isn't it? Maybe. Probably. Maybe just a root beer or some flavored water. Back to more kick-ass sports talk with RP3 and company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Poll question of the day. Do you think the lack of regular season intensity has led to an increase in playoff injuries in the NBA? Essentially saying that a lot of guys maybe take some time off, lots of, you know, rest or load management going on during the regular season. And when it's actual playoff time, when you're having to go 100 miles per hour every single game, is that kind of led to these injuries that we're seeing early on in the NBA playoffs? Yes, no, not sure. Right now, 38% of you say not sure. 33% say yes. 29% of you say no. Pretty divided here. JPK, the OD, says yes, but maybe not sure. Who knows? One thing is for sure, though. The NBA is just like every other league. There are multiple sets of rules. The game is called by regular season playoffs, average Joe player, superstar player, flopper, non-flopper, ref with a gambling problem, etc. Ralph says, could be the grueling defensive effort that put forth in the All-Star game finally catching up. <laughs> or maybe team trainers don't realize the miraculous healing power of Atomic Balm and <laughs> Junior. And do refs really eat their whistles in the playoffs? We shared a gif of the Saints getting hosed in the NFC Championship game. Salty Steve says, I think it is because the change of play, the playoffs are intensified and the refs let them play. When refs eat their whistles, defense gets turned up and injuries are more likely to happen. Unfortunate, but true. Keep those votes coming on the poll question. Keep those comments coming as well on Facebook and Twitter. Hour one in the books. Hour number two. We'll kick it off with Brett Chancey of Locked On Astros. That's next right here on The Game. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is producer Dawson Iserlow and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. Hour number two has arrived here on RP3 and Company. Don't forget to vote on our poll question of the day. It's about the NBA, the rash of injuries. Do you think the lack of intensity during the regular season, lots of load management, lots of time off, well, when you get to the playoffs, everyone's going 110 miles per hour. Is that leading to the rash of injuries that we're seeing early on during the NBA playoffs? Yes, no, or maybe. Go vote on that. Leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter, and we'll make sure to share them throughout the remainder of today's show. Coming up this hour, we'll preview the big game at Alex Box Stadium tonight as the Louisiana Raging Cajuns make the short trip over the basin to BR to take on the number one ranked team in the country, the LSU Tigers. We'll get to that. That's all coming up. Hour number one. Man, we covered a lot of ground. We talked about Zion Williamson and David Griffin not being on the same page. Stunned. <laughs> we also talked about the NBA playoffs. Sacramento up on Golden State, the defending champs, two games to none. 
Philadelphia up two games to none on the Brooklyn Nets. And we also talked about Jalen Hurts getting paid nearly $180 million in guaranteed money. Whew. What does that do for Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens? What does that do for Joe Burrow? Because you know he's going to get paid. But right now, it's time for us to shift over to the diamond, talk a little baseball. Houston Astros needed to get a win last night. It's exactly what they did at home. 9-2 victory over the Toronto Blue Jays as Jake Myers hit a three-run blast to help get the job done as Christian Javier picked up his second win on the season. To talk about that game and the 8-9 and nine start to the season for the Houston Astros is the man from the Locked On Astros podcast, Brett Chancey, joins us. Brett, good morning to you, brother. How are you? Man, I'm doing great, uh, especially after a game like that. And, you know, we got through Monday, we survived it, and we're here Tuesday, man. And, uh, if look, if this team can hit like this and can pick some things up until we get Brantley and Altuve back, you know, I like what I see because we got a tough three weeks in front of us. Yeah, the schedule doesn't do you any favors, right? Toronto, Atlanta, and Tampa. So those are three of the, the, the better teams in uh, Major League Baseball, and particularly Atlanta and Tampa. But, look, th- this is a position this team was put in last year as well, and we know what happened to them. They made it all the way to the World Series and won the whole thing. As it stands right now, what's been the big thing that's prevented this team from kind of turning a corner? and really kind of start playing winning baseball consistently? What's been the big thing in your opinion? Well, I think it's two things. I think the starting pitching as a whole has not really, like, lived up to their billing, you know, early on in the season. Christian Javier, the the um, front runner in the minds of MLB to win the Cy Young preseason. Um, you know, Framber is Framber's actually been the most consistent of them. You have Hunter Brown performing, but you've got a little – it's just – it hasn't been consistent enough. They haven't had enough seven-inning um, runs with these pitchers, of which they're starting to pile those up a little bit more. And just the hitting has been very inconsistent, where, you know, Alex Bregman's got a really nice on-base percentage with walks. He's still not really hitting the ball effectively. He's, he, he's early on breaking pitches. He's late on the fastballs. He's getting under a lot of stuff. And, you know, over this last weekend when we played the Rangers, they made two, uh, four errors, I think two games. And so the defense, the starting pitching, and the hitting hasn't performed up to their potential. And I think things like that over a 162-game season iron themselves out with a veteran club like this. Are you concerned that the sophomore slump for Jeremy Pena is going to last longer than anticipated? You know what? I don't know how long it's going to last with him because, you know, right now he, he's had flashes. You know, yesterday he was 0 for 3. Uh, luckily, he didn't have any strikeouts, uh, but he is hitting 217 on the season. Uh, he's got a 680 OPS. You definitely want to see the average up. Gosh, at least another 50 points. Um, he did score a run. You know, he has been getting on base. He has been finding ways, but with only two home runs, not RBI right now, um, you need to see a lot fewer strikeouts. You need to see him chasing fewer pitches. Um, you know, 
off the plate. Um, it just seems like the off-speed pitchers are really, really getting the best of him because right now um, he's got 10 strikeouts on breaking pitches and he's got nine strikeouts on fastballs. So right now it seems like whatever you throw him, if it's not in the zone, he's swinging and missing. I have faith that he'll fix it because we saw that run he went on late season and in the end of the playoffs where you got the best of the best going against each other. Um, but if other guys are stepping up, hopefully that takes the pressure off. You know, he's been dropped in the lineup. I don't know. Maybe they've got to move him back up. It's maybe it's a mentality thing, but I I don't anticipate it to be long. But if it is, then we got to have somebody else step up, and that's what we're doing right now with Corey Jolts and Jake Myers coming out of nowhere. So the team has extra pieces to help out, but there's just no telling. Will he adjust? I think the pitching adjusts better to him now. He's got to make the next adjustment and just get back to where we know he can be. Jose Abreu has not had the start to the season that I think he was anticipating and I think the Astros were anticipating. Uh, Only three doubles, no home runs, only seven ribbies so far. He has struck out a team high 19 times, which is tied with Pena and uh, Alvarez. What do you make when you see Jose? Is it just a veteran adjusting to his new role? Is it just an an early season kind of struggles or is there anything that's cause for concern i don't think there's cause for concern what's funny is on the show last night we actually talked about this dusty talked about this with the press he actually called the white Sox. it was almost like we were like did he call and go did y'all send me a broken first baseman which that's not what he said (laughs) but he was like like he was like what's going on with this guy like you know we got this guy to hit and he's not hitting and they said well look he starts out slow and once he gets going, he doesn't stop. And, you know, last night there were six – well, there were more than six, but there were three players who had two hard-hit balls. One of them was Jose Abreu. One of those was almost a home run in center field. And, and so I think he's going to find his stroke. I think he's going to start contributing his two-out, his runners in scoring position, batting average is up there. And so I think Jose Abreu is going to be fine. I know he made like an error this weekend. Everybody's like, I want Yuli back and all this stuff. And I'm like, look, he's our guy. We're not getting Yuli back. He's a legend. We love Yuli. But I think Abreu, you're going to start seeing some some more hard contact from him like he did against the Toronto Blue Jays. And that wasn't a, you know, we weren't playing the Tigers again. This is a very good Toronto Blue Jays team. And I, I, I think it's great. You're going to see it on a more consistent basis. I'm I'm pretty sure of it. We're talking with Brett Chancy of the Locked On Astros podcast. He's also a contributing columnist for 1037thegame.com. He joins us here on RP3 and Company. All right, bud. If I would have told you preseason that we would be sitting here on April 18th and the best hitting infielder for the Astros was not going to be Abreu or Bregman or Pena – that it was going to be Dubon, you would have told me what? I would have said Dubon is like, is he having a career year? Because it doesn't seem like him. Like, Dubon wasn't terrible in San Francisco, but he also wasn't all-star caliber at the plate. 
but he's hitting 340 right now, RP. He's got he's, he's got a 12-game hitting streak. I mean, it's this is a karate kid from Reseda, California, coming to the plate and just just making things happen. You know, he's only struck out twice all season long. Yep. And so, it's a you know, huge it. deal for them, especially with Altuve out, that you have this guy that has stepped into that role and has helped carry the load. And it's been needed even more, right, Brett, because of the early struggles of Bregman and Pena and of um, of Abreu. I mean, they, they need – they need his bat, and he has stepped up in a big way. Yeah, he has. He has stepped up in a big way. Hold on. Hold on. Um, he, he has stepped up in a big way, and he has really just um, – look, he's taken on the role. I mean, in the leadoff spot, he, he's really taken off. He's there for his glove. I know there were a couple plays where he was kind of you know uncomfortable. There were some things here or there. But, look, this is what you need. And everybody's like, well, what happens when Altuve comes back? Does he replace him? Well, absolutely not. He doesn't replace Altuve. But wouldn't you rather have a guy that can play multiple positions, that has the confidence at the plate that you could put all over the field? Because this is what Alenis Diaz was supposed to be when he was here. Exactly. And, and Mauricio Debon is healthy. He, he's lovable in the clubhouse. He's got chemistry with the guys. And so I'm here for it. Uh, <laughs> Eric called me the unofficial um, – president of the Mauricio Dubon fan club this year. So I'm going to see what I can do to continue to pump him up. <laughs> yeah. And, and here's the thing. You get a guy like this right now, that's going to give you some great reps. And then you have a guy once Altuve comes back. Well, guess what? You can still give Jose days off and you got a guy that you can just plug right in and it won't be an issue. And you can put them in other places as well. And then that just gives you a, a more depth. This is this, this could end up being, uh, a great thing it could be and you know this is what i love about this team right now we're talking about mauricio dubon okay we're talking about the struggles of some key players and then you've got Corey jolts the homegrown clearbrook high school graduate university of houston graduate i'm telling you ever since he came on locked on astros he's been absolutely hitting the cover off the ball rp he's hitting 310 hit his first home run at minute Maid park last night i mean the exit velo of 109.6, the hardest hit ball in a game where he's playing with the likes of George Springer and Vlad Guerrero Jr., and he's out slugging like dudes. He is that guy, and he's got that dog in him, and I absolutely love it. I'm here for it. I'll get you out of here with this. The Rangers seemingly continue to be crippled by yeah. injuries. Mm-hmm. And Degrom is now going to miss some, some additional time. It looks like, yet they they have found a way despite all their injuries to be ten and six. And I know it's early, and, and I know you still have the utmost confidence in the Astros. But from afar, what is Texas doing right despite all the injuries? And do you think they are going to be a thorn in the side of the Astros? Well, I, you know, I think their offense has been there for them. You know, they they have really done a good job. I mean, gosh, Andrew Heaney. I mean, even though his ERA was almost nine when he went against us the other night and made us look feeble, you know, he tied Nolan Ryan's consecutive strikeouts in a game record, nine strikeouts in a row, which is pretty significant. They just had guys stepping up at the right time. They they also, I don't know that they played a lot of, like, great teams, and their schedule these next few weeks is, like, really, really easy up until they get to New York for four games. And so – 
they taken advantage of their opportunities where, you know, the Astros played the Tigers and the only two wins, I don't know if maybe they've won a game since then, but their only their first two wins of the season were against us. And so the Astros have underperformed. The Rangers have overperformed, but I think sustainability is the key word here. I don't think they can sustain this pace over this long of a season. Now, I'm not saying they, they're not going to be competitive, but talk to me in August or even late July, and let's see where the Rangers are. Now, if they're still there late in the season, then you know what? Call them a contender. But until then, I'm going to have to label them a pretender, especially after the City Connect jerseys. Gosh, those are horrible looking. And so it's just, I don't know, like the Rangers got to make me a believer by giving me evidence not now in April, but in June or July, for me to think that they're a contender. I still think it's the Astros, the Mariners, and the Angels. It could be a four-horse race, but it's to me, it's right now it's very unlikely. Brett, appreciate your time as always. Brother, we'll talk to you next week, bud. Enjoy your week. Hey, thank you so much. Y'all have a good one, and go Strohs. This is RP3 and Company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. There are some hosts that talk like they know everything, but you don't have to worry about our guy, RP3. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. That's because he never knows what he's talking about. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. Back to the show in the know. RP3 and company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Oh, poll question of the day. Does the lack of intensity during the regular season, has it led to this weird thing with injuries happening in the NBA? We, we live in the era now of load management, of guys taking multiple games off. It's become a big issue in the NBA. It, it's been discussed at a ton, especially with stars taking time off to rest their bodies. But is it having a negative impact where that additional time off is hurting them? Because once you get to the playoffs, it's 100 miles per hour all the time. So do you think the lack of regular season intensity has led to an increase in playoff injuries in the NBA? 36% of you say not sure. 32% say no. 32% say yes. Let's get to some comments. Doug says, put layers on a base salary if they can't perform their job. See how hard they rehab. Just an idea. Hashtag Michael Thomas syndrome. Doug is not happy with Michael Thomas still. <laughs> Doug is not happy with Michael Thomas still. <laughs> oh, man. John Paul Cajun Daddy says, I could very well uh, be. It's just what they put in the scripts for the players. That is the same reason AD has not thanked New Orleans yet. It's not in his script. Can we talk about that for a second? The AD not thinking New Orleans thing. And Ross Jackson has fun with it because anytime someone thinks something, he goes, is so-and-so thanked, you know, Sacramento before AD thanked New Orleans. Why does it matter? 
why do you want a guy who didn't want to be here to thank you for your support? Like, obviously, because the, the fans feel that connection or they want to feel that connection with the franchise player. I mean, he was drafted here as an 18 year old and was brought in by the city. I think it's re- reasonable to to want him to to at least have some reflection on his time here. I mean, think about it. Like you, the, you, you realize the players don't owe you anything, though, right? No, they don't owe me. I, I'm not saying me personally. Obviously, I just, they don't. I just. But it's okay. I think it's okay in this situation for fans to. How many more years is it? Is like I guess. I guess my question is, when's the expiration date on caring about someone who never cared about you? Well, I think it's just. I think it's just a running joke at this point. I don't know if anyone's still. I mean, I guess some people are still actually upset about it, but. I think it's a reason, like it's it's a reason to not support the player in their next stop as much. Like I look, I never, I know a lot of New Orleans Pelicans fans that hate Chris Paul. Like a lot of them, they hate him a lot. Like I don't have any animosity towards Chris Paul. I think Chris Paul tried to do what he could here. He fought through different regimes, and at some point, he decided it wasn't going to work, and he left. And he was gracious throughout the process. And like, yeah, he he hasn't spoke like kindly about the New Orleans organization since then, but. I don't have any problem with the way Chris Paul handled it. I did have a, an issue with the way Anthony Davis handled it. I thought it was, you know, immature and yeah, but unnecessary. Yeah, I, I totally agree. He acted like a punk. But he's not here. Like, I, I, I was taught, and this is just me, I was taught a long time ago, if you're in a relationship with someone, which a fan is in a relationship with the team or with a player, right? It's a weird relationship, but it's a relationship nonetheless. If that other person hurts you and doesn't want to be with you, the best thing for you is to let go and move on. Yeah, it doesn't keep me up at night. I mean, I don't. Right. But again, so, I think it's fu- it's more just funny at this point to still make jokes about it than anything. I think some people take it as funny. I think it's funny for some people. But I do think some people are still kind of pissed off about it. And my question would be, that's a long time ago now. Like, like it's it's been four years. Like, are, are you going to let Anthony Davis and that's all folks t-shirt and not saying thanks to the folks in New Orleans? Are you going to still let that bother you four years later? Like, for real? Like, that's... The cat didn't want to be here. Good riddance. Like that that's my approach to it. It's just, it's just like, oh, you don't want to be here? Go. Bye. See ya. Kevin I'm gonna Foot's roll with still the team. upset about a missed face mask call that happened in nineteen ninety four. So I mean, I don't know, it just depends on the fan that you are. <laughs> yeah, he 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 does. He does. I, I I'm just not built that way. I I I'm just not. I, I was when I was younger, like when I was a kid. I still remember hating Kent Herbeck for pulling Ron Gant off first base in the World Series between the Braves and the Twins. Okay, and uh, I did not, I was not uh, uh, too nice to Kirby Puckett for hitting home runs off of my pitchers. So I get it. But, like, eventually you just got to be like, oh, man, it's just whatever, dude. Like, if someone hate you, you know what pisses people off more when they do something to you and they and they disrespect uh, disrespect you and they insult you. You know the best way to get them back 
is to act like it doesn't matter. To not give them the satisfaction that your little passive-aggressive mockery t-shirt and forcing your way out of New Orleans didn't matter. Like, that's the thing. I, that, that's my point on that. It's just like, cool, man. You good? Get out of here. We're going to roll. We're going to roll right along. Now, what I also think this is, is that Pelicans fans so desperately want the Zion thing to work because it's directly connected to Anthony Davis. Right? That's what I think makes the whole Zion frustration even more frustrating because you were banking on, hey, the new guy's coming to town and it's going to turn around our fortunes and we're going to roll with him. And it hasn't worked. So I think that's part of it as well. Let's do some additional uh, comments. The Notorious Dub just shared a gift. (laughs) Of someone saying they are soft. We talked about this off the air, but we didn't talk about it on the air. LC says, coincidence how the Knicks, whose coach is known for being the toughest in terms of practice intensity, are the most healthy team this year. Also, how Zion's most play most games played in a season came under Stan Van Gundy, who also, quote, runs harder practices. Would you like to respond to that, D'Lo? No, no, I wouldn't. I, I just I don't I don't know I would I would want to see data I would want to see data that's how I feel about it. So what data do you need to see more than the data that he did play more games under Stan Van Gundy than he has the other coaches? Well, that's I mean, you need more nuanced data is what you're saying. Yeah, and and that's also one that's one year. I like I don't know if that's if he had played under Stan Van Gundy for four or five years and had a you know sustainable number of games played and then came under Willie Green and had also had four or five years and had played season. Maybe you could evaluate it, but it was it was a one season. Like Injuries are fluky enough to where... You I know, agree. He just as easily could have gotten injured during the Stan Van Gundy era. So what, are, what is your personal... We'll wrap it up with this before we hit the timeout. What is Dawson Iserlo, a.k.a. D'Lo, a.k.a. Producer Extraordinaire, a.k.a. Two Degrees, a.k.a. The Son of Iceman? What's your expectation personally? For Zion Williamson in year five, realistic I'd like him expectation. To play some games, like I think a few. <laughs> that would be where I'd start. Um, What's a realistic expectation on how many games you think he can play, based on everything we've seen the last four years? Like a like a optimistic expectation or a, give me give me just like your if expectation. I to, if I had to guess how many games he's going to play next year, yeah, over under fifty. I was going to say fifty. So. At fifty, that's that's where I would say that would be my guess. I think I think that's a good barometer. And I mean, what was it this year? Thirty-two, thirty-two, right? So, yeah, I think fifty would be my guess. Now, again, like you hope it's over. I mean, and you, but that would that would be where I would set it. I'd imagine. I don't know if they have uh, betting lines on it. Maybe they will. I would I would think fifty's the number to be at. Oh man, face of the franchise. Optimistically, hope he hope he plays fifty games. Oh. It wasn't my. That was my realistic, not my optimistic. Not your, so. You say more. If I was being optimistic, I would say more. But you said to be realistic. <laughs> I live in reality, so that's why I gave you fifty. Your life is rooted in reality. Yeah. You're the realest 
<laughs> guy I know. Okay. Named Dawson. <laughs> We got to take a timeout. Keep those votes coming on our poll question of the day. Keep those comments coming as well. Hey, big game over at Alex Box tonight. Cajuns, Tigers. We'll hear from Jay Johnson. We'll hear from Matt Deggs. That's next right here on The Game. This is RP3 and Company on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. This is RP3 and Company. Live from the Evco Development Studios in Upper Lafayette on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Yeah, uh, watched both games, the doubleheader live yesterday. Um, kind of like the Thursday to Saturday thing a little bit more now. Um, I mean, get two TVs in my office at home, and it's like ULL's on one TV and Ole Miss is on the other TV. Um, they are awesome at what they do. I think it's they're just like Kentucky. They're the fastest team I've ever seen in the history of college baseball. Like every single guy, like they could probably place in the four by one hundred relay in the Sun Belt Conference track and field thing. Um, and they have a, a style, and um, they do a good. They do a really, really good. And Matt's a good coach. Coached against him a long time. Happened to play in the NCAA tournament a few times. So. Um, Good little rival. They have a good team. They have a really good team. They'll compete. I think they are competing for that that championship. And a um, little banged up uh, right now with a couple of their key players as well. But uh, yeah, they're they're an awesome opponent. This is one when the schedule comes out. Like you look at okay, who are we playing around ULL? Because I have so much respect for them. You know, Jay Johnson with all the compliments. For the Raging Cajuns, the LSU skipper. You know, I've, I've covered Jay Johnson for, for a couple of games now. I'm starting to realize the man is one for hyperbole, and I respect that. Hey, he is a little bit. Um, He's he a little said bit. the other day that Tommy White had 9,000 RBIs. I don't know if he checked that stat before he said it, but now, now UL's the fastest team in college baseball history. So a lot of historic things going on, not just with the lineup at, for LSU, but some of their surrounding factors. They can run the uh, four by one hundred at the uh, Sun Belt uh, Track and Field Championships. I don't think they're that fast, but yeah, uh, he's very complimentary. And he and Deggs have faced off before, right, in their coaching careers. And and you heard it, right? They do what they do very well. He knows what Deggs's style of play is. But it's interesting. Both of these teams are a little banged up. LSU obviously in a better spot, number one ranked team in the country. The Cajuns are coming off a season where they made it to the NCAA regionals because they won the Sunbelt Conference tournament. They're still ranked in the top three in the conference. And look, it's going to be a dogfight. They'll have golden opportunities down the stretch against Coastal Carolina at home at the Teague on the road at Southern Miss. So they'll have some opportunities to possibly win the regular season title and improve that RPI enough to get in to a regional without having to win the conference tournament. A win tonight would go a long way against the number one ranked team in the country. For a game between the Cajuns and the Tigers, though, it doesn't feel like there's a lot of juice involved here, which is weird. And I've had a couple of people ask me about it. It's like... Yeah, this Cajuns-Tigers game seems a little low-key. I mean, we're talking about it, and 
obviously it's a big deal and, and look the crowd will be great at Alex Box tonight but I don't know it doesn't feel like there's a lot of I mean the Cajuns are having a good season the Tigers are having a great season it feels like there should be a little bit more buzz about this game and I know it's a midweek game and I get that but I don't know it, it just feels like it's lacking some juice a little bit and I'm kind of surprised by that to be honest with you yeah, I don't know. It's 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 interesting too. Like I grew up around the the LSU two lane rivalry as well, especially in baseball. Like that was a big deal when those teams played, and they played once at each place. I think, you know, look, LSU has their scheduling model for what they do for in state teams. I understand why they do it for a lot of the teams, the smaller schools in the state. I think Tulane and UL should be exceptions to that. I think they should play home and homes every year in baseball. I think all three of those programs. And good look, Tulane's probably having their worst team they've had in twenty years. So. I understand this year is maybe not the best to, to bang the drum for that, but um, I think those two individual rivalries between LSU and UL and um, LSU and Tulane, and then I even think you could throw in UL and Tulane. I think those three, those are the three best baseball programs in the state for you know the lengthy period of time, and I think it's not all that close. Um, and I think it's way more regionally based than Tech. You know, Tech would be the next program up, right? But they're four hours away from everybody, so I would throw in McNeese before Tech, but. Maybe so. Because um, regionally speaking. Yeah, regionally certainly. But um, anyway, I, I don't, I'm don't. i not a fan of the way that the scheduling goes now with LSU and UL, and I think maybe that contributes to it because, um, you know, Cajun fans don't get to see them in person as much as they probably should. And, um, you know, baseball's different. Like we said, we understand some of the scheduling stuff and why they don't play in football, and I get all that. But I think um, in baseball you have an opportunity, and it only helps both teams usually from an RPI standpoint. It's not like it's hurting LSU, especially with some of the other midweek games they play. And, of course, for the Cajuns it's helpful to play top-ranked teams. So, um would like to see that come back a little more. And Matt Deggs actually had a comment um, about, you know, how he thinks about LSU and UL and, and what it is for the for the state in general. Well, anytime you've got multiple really good teams in your state, that's going to drive the, the sport way up. And you've got a number one team down the road. Uh, I think we were as high as 28 last week. Uh, there's just a lot of good baseball in this state. And that's an opportunity for two uh, – you know, crazed fan bases, for lack of a better word, to to get together and have a three-hour party. Uh, you know, like Coach Herb Brooks said, uh, great moments are born out of great opportunities. And uh, it's a great opportunity for us tomorrow night. Uh, I just want us to get over there and play fast, hard, and loose, fill up the strike zone, make the plays, and compete at the dish, and then we'll see what happens. Both teams – are in great positions. And look, it's obvious to say because LSU is the number one ranked team in the country. But for the Cajuns, this is a great opportunity as well to kind of get back on track after a disappointing weekend. They still have everything in front of them. They have to go to James Madison, right, for a three-game conference series this weekend. I like their chances to win that. I'd, I'd really like to see them sweep that series. Um and kind of get the ball rolling and build some momentum for the next weekend when they have to take on Coastal Carolina, which is going to be a huge series for them. But, you know, what I like about Diggs as well, and this is something that he also said, is, look, they're playing the number one team in the country, and it would be great for the Cajuns to go in there and get a win. But also, it doesn't derail their season if they don't, right? And I think his mentality is that the message for his team is the same as it is when they play App State or when they play James Madison or Arkansas State or Troy, just as it is when they have to play the number one ranked team in the country. 
Well, it, it doesn't change. I mean, they have a, a great offense. And, uh, you know, Jay does a tremendous job over there. He's a great offensive mind. He's one of the best in our game. Uh, and he's got a lot of bullets over there. And so you the, the biggest thing is you're going to give some stuff up. And it was a message yesterday. Make it a solo shot. And, you know, make it one run, not three, not four. Uh, and you do that by limiting freebies. No hit batters, no walks, challenge the strike zone, be able to pitch off your fastball, depend on your guys, let the boys play behind you. And because uh, we've proven we'll pick it up and field it. I think we're 983 or four in the league and close to 980 overall. And so uh, make them hit it. Hitting's tough. I don't care, you know, how good you are. Uh, it's tough. And uh, the best are hitting, you know, 300 in the big leagues, and so there's 70% chance somebody's going to make a play. You're going to get them out. Uh, so you got to attack the strike zone and uh, fill it up, and you're going to give up some stuff, and you got to be okay with that. Get it back to the offense, let the boys hit. You know, both teams are dealing with injuries to star players, so they're both in the same boat in that regard where they have injuries to their pitching staff and to their position players. But, you know, the thing for LSU – as great as they've been, and they're the number one ranked team in the country for a reason. They've won four of their five SEC series. They split the other one, and that's all against top 12 ranked opponents, every one of those five series. So they are battle-tested, right? But they also have this thing where the pitching has kind of gone away. They've been sloppy with some errors here of late. And Jay Johnson talked about for them – you know, this game is a good way to getting back on track and dealing with those self-inflicted wounds and preventing them from happening and derailing them in games. Yeah, I think um, we always focus on the play. And, you know, it's, it's obviously results business, but for us, how we get the result actually matters to us. And so like we actually have a saying that uh, we don't accept in winning what we wouldn't accept in losing. And so when you're playing the schedule that we've played, when you make some of those mistakes, they're just going to get magnified and they're going to cost you a game. That's what happened on Saturday. You know, we made uh, three errors and we walked a good number of guys. You know, we've walked some guys, made it harder on ourselves and still won games, but it doesn't make the walks okay, you know. Um, so we're just going to work on it. You know, like uh, today's practice plan is designed to, hey, we're going to refresh a couple of these things, make sure it's tighter and, you um, you know, when we play well, this team knows they're going to win when they play well. So we always just try to bring it back to the, the play and execution. You know, the whole game is about execution. And, um, you know, we just try to get better at it. You know, uh, this is going to be a game tonight. First pitch set for 630 there at Alex Box Stadium. Of course, we'll have the game for you live right here on the game. You're home for LSU athletics here in southwest Louisiana. You know what they need? You know what? They, they're two very good skippers, and they're two very good teams. You know what they need? They need uh, someone to come in and give them a little bit of motivation, give them a little pep in their step. I could offer the services of Hattie Elise Parch because she has been the motivator for me, D'Lo, as I've been training to get under 300 pounds and to be prepared not to pass out by taking part in the Festival International 5K a week from Saturday. Um, she's a bit of a motivator, tough love, tough love, but also encouraging. Like you got this. She's, she's really good about the clapping and going, Hey dad, you got this. Let's go. Let's go. I'm going to whip you into shape. You got this dad. Let's go. Maybe 
if LSU or the UL baseball teams need someone to come in to give them a little bit of a motivational pep talk, maybe the eight-year-old daughter of yours truly could help them out. What do you think? I mean, absolutely. I, I think her agent probably would have to be involved to make sure both sides are on the same page there. But, yeah, definitely. I'm fairly for certain payment can be done in hot dogs, which are abundant at the ballpark, by the way. <laughs> uh, it should be a heck of a game. It should be a heck of a game. We got to take a timeout. More RP3 and company coming up right here on the game. This is RP3 and company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. RP3 is known across Acadiana as a master of the English language. You look at all the guys that they got. Clinton Anukoraru, Oof. And I don't know how to pronounce this young man's name. TJ Falola. More like a master of broken English, that is. They also added an inside linebacker, Casey Wasawi. These names are killing me, man. I even practiced <laughs> last night. Me fail English? That's impossible. Now back to that silky smooth delivery of RP3 and company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. We have a poll question of the day. Dawson Iserlow a man who spent more on his college education than most of us will make in a lifetime, came up with this idea. It's a good one. Is it great? Maybe. Is it his best? No. But it's close. Do you think the lack of regular season intensity has led to an increase in playoff injuries in the NBA? Right now, 38% of you say no, but... 31% say not for sure, and 31% of you do say yes. So pretty evenly divided here, right? People are receptive to this idea, this hypothesis, if you will, by two degrees, a.k.a. the son of Iceman. Houdat Forever says, I don't know, but I know something like 70 players scored over 20 points per game this year. Something needs to change. I'm going to say Houdat Forever says that's too much. Is, is, is that what I'm picking yeah, up on? I would, I would argue the NBA thought something needed to change and changed it, and that's the result they wanted, to be honest. But, um, yeah, no. Correct. They're not interested in defense. The poll results, definitely not definitive. I don't think anyone's secured the Electoral College yet, but we'll see where the 31% and not sure lands because uh, that could swing the vote for sure. Correct. Ton has an interesting comment. There's correlation, but not necessarily causation. Muscles are only capable of performing to the standard you build them. So if you build them to where you can't play so many games so close together, naturally, they'll fatigue faster. Refs play a role, too, allowing more. Well, but there's plenty of rest in the NBA playoff windows, too. A lot of teams have two days in between home games, which I think is insane. Which but. is ridiculous. Keep those votes coming on our poll question of the day. Leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter, and we'll share them in hour number three of today's RP3 and Company. Speaking of... We'll kick our number three off after this timeout with Jim Gazzolo from the Lake Charles American Press and the Mideast Coaches Show. That's next right here on The Game. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 
Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is producer Dawson Iserlow and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. Oh, the final hour of this Tuesday edition of RP3 and Company has arrived, but don't be sad. We still got greatness on tap for you. Ali Cassell will be joining us half an hour from now, editor-in-chief of the Bird Rights. I'm sure he'll put a positive spin on the Pelicans losing in the play-in tournament and Zion Williamson and David Griffin not being on the same page. <laughs> I love Ollie, but sometimes I just want to go, my man. <laughs> just embrace the negativity. It's a nice place to go from time to time. Speaking of someone who embraces negativity, he's typically a ray of sunshine, but you know what? He's willing to be negative when it is needed, and he's our next guest here in RP3 and Company. He covers the McNeese Cowboys, Cowgirls, Cowpokes for the Lake Charles American Press. He's also host of Poke Nation on television and the host of the McNeese Coaches Show right here every Wednesday night on the game. It's our buddy. Jimmy G from LC, the great Gazzolo himself. Jim Gazzolo joins us now. Jim, Mr. Positivity, how are you? I'm a ray of sunshine. <laughs> that you are. That you are. Hey, so I got. I need, I need to get something. Uh, we need to clear the air about something. Are you ready? Sure. Are you at all intimidated by the fact that the new producer extraordinaire, Dawson Iserlow, has not one but two degrees from two different universities. My man is all about the academia. Does that intimidate you, Jim? No. It impresses me, but it does not intimidate me. <laughs> Here it comes. I don't know at what point you're going to get over that like little nugget and not continue to say it every day, Mr. RP3, but I do appreciate the shout-out. I appreciate the fact it's, it's that you impressive. call me. It should be embraced. Well, thank you. That, no, see, see, that. see, thank you, Jim. That's why I, I had to bring in the great one. But see, I want to be a man of the people. I don't want people to think I'm above them. You know what I mean? You're not above them, D'Lo. You're a man of the people. Thank you. You start your work at 530 in the morning. You're yeah. not above them. Yeah, you're not above anyone. <laughs> you come here, yeah, you start your day at 5 o'clock. You're a man of the people, my friend. But it is impressive that he has two degrees. That it is. How many do you have, Jim? Uh, well, I have two degrees in one spot, so oh. I, I have one degree, but two levels. How's that? Oh, multiple levels, multiple levels. I'm impressed. I'm surrounded by scholars and gentlemen. That's what you two are. I should just step aside and just let you guys just rap for the next, next 15 minutes. What do you think about yeah, that, Jim? We'll, we'll, we'll talk atoms and molecules. How's that? And the economic impact of uh, Poland's uh, tourism industry. Okay, so... The, the, uh, the magnitude of me, as Reggie Jackson once said. Oh, that's a good reference. That's a good reference. All right, let's talk about McNeese baseball. Uh, it seems like, Jim, they've started to turn a corner. Back-to-back -back series wins in Southland Conference play. A couple of midweek wins as well, including going on the road and beating a, a pretty decent Rice team. What's been the big difference for Justin Hill's team? I think they've 
they've, they've kind of settled on a rotation a little bit. Uh, and I mean that in Ty Abraham has stepped up and been a, a, a starting pitcher. Burrell Jones has stepped up and given them, uh, he gave them five shutout innings the other day to start a game. I think that that's kind of settled everything in to where he has kind of a constant idea of what he's going to do now. He's not settled on it because he has to win game one always. Um, so he's always going to throw his best in game one. But I think he has some options now in the rotation that he didn't have before. That's keeping him in games. They go on the road and take two or three from Southeastern, need to do so in dramatic fashion, but they do pull out the series win. That makes them six and six now in conference play, and they're you know, really they're only a game back of everyone else in in front of them except for Incarnate Word. But guess what? They still have Incarnate Word on the schedule. They still have yeah. Northwestern State on the schedule. So McNeese still has plenty of time here to rack up some more series victories and propel themselves maybe to a regular season championship. But that's not really the goal for Justin Hill's team. The goal is to win the conference tournament, which they'll host. How big was yeah. it? going on the road and taking down the team that defeated them in the conference tournament championship a year ago. I know Southeastern's down, but still going on the road to Hammond's not exactly easy. Not Hammond America. No. Um, it was, uh, I think big, the way they did it, all three games were one run games. McNeese is eight and one in one run games, by the way. So that that's fairly impressive, but all three games were one with the last at bat. So it was a, there was a bench clearing skirmish, I guess we could call it. Uh, four players got kicked out. Uh, a couple have been suspended. Uh, so it was a spicy uh, series, but it was big to keep them in it. Uh, the loser of that series really was going to be out as far as thinking about winning a championship. Southeastern is all the way, I think, in last place now. They are. Um, but it is a jumbled league to where if you have if you can get a sweep on a weekend, you're going to vault pretty high, it looks like. Uh, but it was a series that was personal because of last year, and I think it was a series that meant they could play on the road, which they haven't done well. Um, I think they feel good about that. They got some big hits when they needed to, which they haven't done all year. So you know, they're 24-12 and 12 overall, so it's not like they've been terrible. But they didn't really connect like they had last year. And this was big to show. This is how they won games last year uh, in late innings and with pitching. And that might be coming around. We're talking with the great one, Jim Gazzolo of the Lake Charles American Press. He covers McNeese for that publication. He is also the host of Poke Nation on TV, the host of the McNeese Coaches Show on our station every Wednesday evening. And he's also a man who proudly has two degrees, just like our guy, D-Lo I, I does. do not have two degrees. I have one degree and two levels of that degree. So I have, I have one major. So, so t- two levels. Okay, explain this uh, to me. May, maybe Dawson and, and you can explain this to me for 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 a commoner. Uh, what, what does that mean? Well, I, I have a master's and I have a bachelor's. Those are two separate degrees, Jim. <laughs> I know, but it's, I, it's one. It's, it's one. It's like two it's separate degrees, you maniac! You got two separate pieces of paper. I want to be a person of the people just like Dawson. Look, there's a, there's only one person that can be the man of the people, and that's D'Lo. I'm sorry, Jim. That's D'Lo. That's that's I want to be I want to be in his sphere sphere of influence. How's that? Sphere of influence. His aura. It is aura. It is aura even. Yes. Yes. 
UNO comes to town. No midweek game. Kind of an interesting part of the schedule after having two of them last week. They have no midweek games this week. That means they can just gear up for a three-game set against UNO. Look, they're trending in the right direction. It looks like they're back on track. It looks like they've turned a corner, and they still have a chance to you know, be the best team in the Southland Conference. This is a must-win series for them this weekend, right? Yeah. They, they can't if they want to win this, if they want to win the conference they can't lose a series they have to win each of the last four series uh, probably because they're two behind including obviously incarnate word that'll be the big series but it, it I think the important thing is to get the one or two seed uh, going in because then you got uh, your ace the ace of the league Grant Rogers throwing in essentially the, the semifinals um, so that's what you want to do. But I, I, I think, uh, yeah, this is this is a big weekend. And then after this weekend at home, they go to Incarnate Word. So we'll know in 10 days or so if they can win the league. So really, you and O this weekend, then Incarnate Word, if they can go to San Antonio, which is, I hear, uh, a very nice place, family-friendly. I've never been. If they can go down there. Uh, and you, get, should, you should go. The Riverwalk is nice. That's what I hear. I hear. also hear the Alamo is really small, so to be to be prepared. Yeah, but you always remember it. Oh, that 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 we do. That we do. After that, we'll know if this team is going to be in position for the one or two spot, even with the Northwestern State Series yeah. still on the horizon and a trip up to Natchitoches. Yeah. I, yeah, I would think so, yeah. Unless they were to fall off the plant. Hey, Grant Rogers gives you a chance to win every Friday night. So, yeah, that's – they need to win these series. They need to win one of the other two games every weekend. Let's head over to softball. They've won five straight. They're 32-12 and 12 overall. I know Southeastern's right there, a couple of games behind them in the standings, and they're 37-9 and nine overall. But it feels like McNeese is the class of the conference. Uh, they're 14-1 and one in conference play. Is it their title and their conference tournament to lose? Well, they have a weekend series at uh, Hammond. Uh, not this weekend, but the next weekend. They do not play a conference series this weekend. So that really is going to decide that uh, spot as well. But I, I think it's the same situation that those two teams are going to get the one-two seeds. So I don't see, I, yeah, Grant, you want to win the league, but to set up for the conference tournament, I think they're both in pretty good shape. But, yeah, they've been the class of the league. They get uh, a lot of shutouts. They're getting great pitching. Um, I want to see what they do tonight because tonight's an interesting game against LSU at home. Um, I want to see if there's more purple or more blue in the stance. <laughs> LSU tonight and then UT Arlington tomorrow night, both there at home, and then they're taking the weekend yeah. off, which is a weird kind of uh, thing in the schedule. Uh, let me ask you this, Jim. Southland Conference this year for both softball and baseball, it's still going to be a win bid league, correct? Oh yeah, I would, I would unless I, I, I would think so. Unless McNeese were to run the table and then lose in the championship of the tournament, I think that would be the only chance. You're talking about the softball um, team. Softball, yes. Baseball for sure, but softball that would be the only chance because they would have wins over LSU, obviously wins over. Washington, they would have some wins that would look impressive, but yeah, I think for the most part, it's going to be a one a one bid league. I would not anticipate two unless something really strange happened. And baseball, no way, no way. There it is. 
yeah, it feels it feels that way. And I agree with you, the uh, Mini softball program. They, they would have to lose in the championship game. I still think they would get in as a four seed somewhere uh, because yeah, of that, their. That, that's it. Yeah, Be, because of their resume. All right, bud. We'll wrap it up with this. What you got planned for this week's Nice Coaches Show, which can be heard starting at six o'clock tomorrow night, right here on the game, one zero three seven Lafayette, one zero four one Lake Charles. Um, paid. No, we're going to talk basketball with, a, with an assistant coach, Shane Burst, um, is the hope. And we're going to talk about uh, the five people that have already been brought in and uh, the five people they're hoping to bring in. A couple of them showed up on campus last weekend, um, so I can't mention their name yet. You talk, you're talking about the men's uh, basketball team. Men's basketball team. And there are some rumors that maybe Christian Shoemate wants back. Oh, well, I would too because I know Will's going to help me get to the league. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, that kind of makes that kind of makes some sense. Uh, is there any possibility? I know it, it sounds jam packed for this week's edition of the Mini East Coaches Show. Is there any way that you could have Dawson on as a guest so you can figure out how to be more of a man of the people like he is? We could do that. We could do ten minutes with Dawson. We'll call it. There you go. Dawson's bro. degrees in ten. Jim, appreciate your time, brother. <laughs> All right, we'll talk to you. This is RP3 and Company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. RP3 grew up dreaming of one day playing right field for the Atlanta Braves, just like his hero, Dale Murphy. I wanted to grow up and be Dale Murphy. Little Raymond, though, wasn't quite the caliber of athlete of his childhood hero as his lone highlights as a ball player were being beamed twice in the head. That actually explains a lot. Back to more RP3 and company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to RP3 and company as we broadcast live from the Evco Development Studios here in Upper Lafayette. Just a reminder. Evco Development is a civil construction company that specializes in new multifamily construction. Coming up in about 10 minutes from right now, Ali Cassell will join us, editor-in-chief of the Bird Rights. Plenty positivity in surrounding the New Orleans Pelicans these days, as it's been that way for mm, ever since I've had a radio show. <laughs> At least they're consistent. That's coming up. Want to get your phone calls in? Now's the time to do so. You want to talk about the NBA playoffs, the rash of injuries. You want to talk about the Golden State dubs being down 2-0 to Sacramento. Remember, Golden State back in the day was also down 3-1 to Oklahoma City, and we know how that ended up. They ended up with Kevin Durant joining the team the next season. So don't count out the dubs just yet. We also talked at length about Zion Williamson and the disconnect and the fact that there's no synergy between he and David Griffin. It is year four, people. Year number four. We also preview tonight's Raging Cajuns, Tigers, baseball game there at Alex Box Stadium. Just a reminder, we'll have that game for you live right here on the game. 6.30 first pitch. 
Pre-game will begin at 6 o'clock as Matt Deggs' team takes on Jay Johnson's team. So we've touched on a plenty this morning. Astros as well, McNeese as well. But we also talked about that Dawson has now found a fellow two-degree brother in Jim Gazzola. Don't you also have two degrees, by the way, technically? Technically, I have three. So so here we go. Let's flip. There we go. Now we find out the truth. We need to be talking about Uh, that all the time. Now, time out. Time out. I have – so I waited so long to go back to school that I had to get another associate's degree. So I have two associate's degree and a bachelor's degree. I don't have one of those fancy master's degrees. I haven't checked the exchange rate, but I think two associates is equal to – I don't know, but either way. You went to UL and then Florida State. I went to Lakeland Junior College in Mattoon, Illinois, where the basketball players I hear it's beautiful this time of year. were kept in an abandoned hotel as their housing when I first got there. And then I have another associate's degree from uh, Delta in Monroe. And then I have a four-year degree from LSU at Alexandria. So do those stack up to big-time two degrees from UL and Florida State? I'm just saying. And you got a master's degree, which just sounds like you know more stuff because you're a master of it, obviously. Yes, I do give you. It's impressive. You're a young man. You're highly educated. This is not a bad thing, Thank by you. the way. This is oh, nothing I, but a I good thing. I appreciate all the compliments. It's the nothing but a good reminders thing. Reminders of it. I mean, at least it makes it, you know, worth all the time I spent. I mean, together combined, we have five degrees, and we're doing this. Yeah. <laughs> well, you didn't. Yeah. <laughs> so, so things turned out perfectly. I mean, I, I some would say we're underqualified to run such a fine show. I, I believe so. I believe so. You just wait until they figure it out. Then the jig will be up. Let's head out to the hotline. Welcome on our guy, number one Raging Cajun fan, Darren, to the show. Darren, it's been a minute, brother. How are you, bud? Oh, I'm doing fine. I'm doing fine. Always working as usual. But uh, I want to talk about a little bit about your poll question before I uh, roam off about Zion this morning. But... Uh, the NBA has changed over the past few years and is always continually changing. And it's becoming more of a finesse game where you see more guys want to run the floor and play more of a finesse game and play with, you know, these three-pointers and they're taking the old guys and the bigger guys out of the game. And that's where you see the regular season coming in is more of a fast-paced game. And the referees play into that too. But for the playoffs, it's becoming more of a physical game. That's why I thought I think you're seeing LeBron take taking his break more towards the end of the regular season. And for the playoffs, you're going to see more of a physical game, and that's why I think you're seeing these guys getting hurt more in the playoffs. Well, at the beginning of the playoffs, and that's going to play more into the Lakers' hands right now because they play more of a physical game, and you're going to see the these physical teams advance more in the playoffs. I think the Cavs have a good shot this year because they play physical. You know, uh, Denver plays physical. You know, the Lakers play physical. And being at the NBA change with this finesse game, that, that's going to hurt those finesse teams in the playoffs, you know? And I that's, think you need both, that, that, Darren, right? Point. Because last year, 
you know, you know, when you think of finesse, you probably automatically think of three-point shooting. When you look at Golden State, they can shoot the lights out of the gym, but last year a big key for them is we know Draymond is physical and he gets away with a lot of stuff, but he's physical. But Wiggins is a physical defender and he was healthy last year, and I think that matters. It just uh, You have to have both. You have to be the ability to shoot the rock, to shoot three-pointers, but you also have to be able to be physical enough to play decent defense. But what offsets them is – how, how old is most of their, their core guys? Oh, they're old. They're, they, 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 yeah, they have an old core. Right, and and the same thing with Phoenix. What offsets them is their core core is old, you know. So I mean, it it, it plays into the Lakers. They, their core is old too, but I mean, they don't have experience. I mean, the, the other teams don't really have as much experience as the Lakers and the Suns and the Warriors, you know. So their game is more. I'm gonna run the floor. I'm gonna I'm shoot. I'm a. You know, they don't have much inside game. Is, yeah. is what I'm talking about. You know, but uh, back to Zion. You know, I want to kind of touch on that. For years, I've been saying that he, he's. I don't want to say he's a bust, but I mean, come on, guys. Let's let's help him say it. He's a bust. He came into the league at what two eighty five. I, mean, I know. Well, I remember he was three hundred pounds when he showed up for uh, summer league. Can, can, can you ask a question? When has two two eighty five three hundred has ever been sexy in the NBA? I uh, mean, you, never. You, you can't. You're supposed to be leaner than that. And look, I, I think the problem for him, and I've said this before, Darren. I don't think his body is is supposed to carry that weight. No. And and I don't think it's realistic for anyone to believe that he's going to be able to carry that weight and manage that weight on that frame and have a lengthy career. I, I just I just don't think it's realistic. I, I just don't. And and especially if he doesn't keep his weight under control and all the reports coming out of New Orleans and the indicators from Griffin and everyone is that they have like a body mass index and they have a weight that he's supposed to be and he's not. So, you know, is he going to have the mental fortitude to play at the weight that he needs to play at? I don't know. I really don't know. And, and everybody was talking at one time, yeah, he's a unicorn. He's a one-of-a-kind, once-in-a-generation player. I mean, he can be that, but his injuries are, is getting into his head. I mean, he, I understand he wants to come back and be that player, but I don't think he's ever going to be that player and not get injured. You, you understand I agree. what I'm saying? I agree. So, I mean, D, I got to go, man. I'm up, gra- I'm, I'm up against a timeout, brother, but I appreciate the phone call, bud. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Look, it, it, it all comes down to the mental. Can he, get the, can he get his weight down? Can he get a control on that? And look, as someone who struggles to be a big guy, the struggle's real, right? I'm, I'm fighting and clawing my way at the age of 44 to get to under 300 pounds, right? And I've lost 17 pounds, and it's been a struggle. Don't get me wrong. Right now, do I want to go and get me something that like a double cheeseburger with extra cheese and extra bacon? Yeah, yeah, you're right. I do. Do I do it? No. Instead, I'm going to have myself a delicious yogurt, right? So th- I get it. It is struggle and it is a mental thing. Is Zion mentally tough enough to keep his weight under control and get over the hurdle of worrying about re-injuring himself? I don't know. I really don't know.
We'll ask that question and more to Ali Cassell, editor-in-chief of the Bird Rights. He's going to join us next right here on The Game. This is RP3 and Company on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. This is RP3 and Company, live from the Evco Development Studios in Upper Lafayette on The Game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Ali Cassell joins us now, editor-in-chief of the Bird Rights. Bud, good morning. How are you? I'm doing well, Raymond. How'd you, how are you doing yourself? I'm doing sensational. So let's get right to it. <laughs> uh, what did you make of Zion's press conference? And then what did you make of David Griffin the few days later giving his press conference? Uh, my big takeaway is four years in, the face of the franchise and the man running the franchise, there's no synergy involved. They're not on the same page. What about you? I actually enjoyed that. That was probably the most honesty I've heard from David Griffin in terms of just being open about everything to laying the appropriate blame with everybody, including himself, but also with Zion. I don't think I've ever heard him speak and say the words that basically for Zion to turn it around and be on the court, a lot of it's on him. I've never heard him say it. We've heard the players say it in recent weeks, but not himself. But Zion's press conference is the one that stings the most, right? To first physically, to say the words, I'm physically fine, to make it sound like he's not really being held back by anything other than not feeling like Zion. That was kind of, uh, let's say, not the right words, especially for the situation. Pelicans are playing one of their biggest games they've had in years, right? This is a team that rarely, this franchise has rarely gotten in the postseason or had a chance to. And here they were with somebody who, and I don't want to say he's not battling any kind of mental demons, but let's face it, he made it himself sound like he could be out there. And then when he went out before the game against OKC Thunder, threw down not just one dunk, because he's been doing that before games, right? Working out, trying to get himself back into shape. He threw down like eight, nine, ten dunks. So that, again, bad image, bad look. So while I agree that he's not essentially maybe on the same wavelength as Griff, I'll tell you what, I think Griff and the rest of the players are all on the same wavelength. Seems like Zion's the only one that's not inside there yet, right? So I think Larry Nance said it best, uh, Raymond. He said Zion's basically got to get some more people he can confide in, right? He said Terrence Weatherspoon is great. Absolutely wonderful for him, but he needs more people like him. So it screams to me that, look, Zion's still not mature enough yet. He's got to get there. I know he's 22 making legitimate money, but he's not there, and he needs to have the right people. And it sounds like, you know, the continuation of his stepdad, mother, family, who he has in his corner right now, aren't doing him any favors. He's listening to them a little bit too much. He's got to get away from that. This is the fourth year in, Ollie. Like, yeah. like that, he's not a rookie. He didn't wrap up his rookie season, right? And he's twenty-two. So, like, how much more help does he need? Like, like it, he's twenty-two. Like, what are we doing here? Well, I can hear you say that, but if I look around the league, I see a lot of these young guys have issues. 
I mean, let's look up the street in Memphis, right, with what John Morant's been going through. He's got a father who's a little too animated. And then the off-court activities, they sound a lot scarier than what Zion's going through. I don't know. And you just look around, like I said, some others, it takes them a while. I mean, I know that, you know, outside of maybe the Kobe Bryants and the Michael Jordans, Luka Doncic still doesn't take care of his body. How many times has he entered a season perfectly healthy? Nikola Jokic didn't do it for years until maybe the last two. So his first five, six years, he was coming in the same. The problem with Zion is he's just such an athletic human being, right? One of the rarest specimens we've ever seen that he has to be on that level. Otherwise, his body's going to break down. Those otherwise, other guys can get away with it. So on the one hand, you can kind of understand it. But on the other, of course, you're absolutely right, Raymond. He's been blessed with these gifts. He's got to learn to understand how to take care of them better and just do it because if you want to play basketball and from every person we've talked to, that's exactly what he wants to be doing. He's got to just take everything seriously all the time. I know last year he started off and he was in good shape. I know he had largely maintained and even through that first injury of the hamstring, he was okay. It looked like he was going to be fine coming back, but when he retweaked it, Seems like things kind of went by the wayside. That can't happen again. I don't disagree with your point about the handful of other guys. But my father always taught me or always told me, I don't care what your friends do. I don't care what your other classmates do. This is what you're going to do because you have a set of rules and you have to be held accountable. It doesn't matter what other people are doing or getting away with or not doing. So there has to be some personal responsibility here of taking care of himself because obviously the Pelicans feel like he's not. They feel like he doesn't have the people in his corner and they feel like he's not doing what he needs to do to stay in shape at the playing shape they want him to be in. So I understand John Morant's being a knucklehead and doing dangerous stuff off the court. And Luca is a big pudgy guy. He looks like me when he begins the season. I, I get that. You're totally accurate. But you can't base stuff based on what other guys are doing or not doing. You got to take care of your own, and he's not doing that. Absolutely, hundred percent true. I'm just giving this angle on both sides because that never gets discussed. The part that I just mentioned, Zion, even though he's 22, Raymond. One other thing I'm going to mention about him is he doesn't seem like the most mature young 22 year old we've ever seen, or even you know, pick any age he was. Uh, here with the Falcons, 19, 20, 21. To me, he seems like he's always been over kind of protected. He's lived in a box, in a okay. shell. I think that's what's made it harder to get him to conform to, right, whatever his teammates want him to do, the organization. And and he, and if the people in his ear are enabling him, that also hinders, that. Right. hinders his development as well. Absolutely. I was getting to that. Yeah, sorry. Nothing else needs to be more you know, said more about it, honestly. He's just got to break free from that grip somehow. Do you believe that he has the capability of being mentally tough enough to control his weight and to get over the obvious mental hurdle of re-injuring himself? I do. I've heard of enough from inside the locker room to where when he wasn't even playing in his rookie season, losses by the team hurt him where he showed visible um either disdain emotion downright anger at times so if he's got that necessary fuel which a lot of nba players do not that's a big step 
then I also really truly believe that he wants to be one of the best to play the game. And I don't think it's no mistake that he's often idolized and talked about all these great players before him. I don't think, you know, any regular player who comes in the league um, without dreams is ever going to achieve anything. But he's had that since I don't know how going how far back, probably minimum start of high school. Not sure. But there seems to be enough there that I kind of like I said, I believe that he's going to get there eventually. I just don't know when that on switch is going to be flipped. Right. I mean, like you said, it's been four years. It didn't take Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, the guys that he's idolized to get you know, in that position where they are doing everything they need to, right? Checking the box and stuff. So those guys are also notoriously obsessive about their craft and obsessive about their bodies. And to the point where, you know, their whole lives were basketball, right? And I think that's what it takes sometimes to be great, right? You, You have to sacrifice all that time all that energy, when other guys are leaving the locker room, you have to still be out there putting up shots. That's what it takes. And he's still young enough to be able to turn on a switch. I just, we'll see. So I guess, Ollie, my next question is, David Griffin has obviously hitched his wagon to Zion. He's the guy. He's as the face he of the I think as he should. As he's the face of the franchise. How can your franchise develop and take that next step, which we've been waiting for for years, if you're still waiting on the face of the franchise to be healthy enough to lead you and to be mentally healthy enough to do so? If Zion wasn't a legitimate top five town in the league, I think you'd look in different directions starting as soon as maybe this summer. Okay. The fact that he is, you can't give up on it. You're a small market team. When's the next time you're going to land one of these guys even have a sniff at the top five draft pick, right? So you've got to go this route because you're not going to bring in a free agent half as good as he is. It's never happened here. So it's kind of a waited out and see process. And I could think of worse things. Um, Not sure exactly what. I don't want to go uh, rambling off about that. But Raymond, I do want to say that there's been certain teams that so much has been expected of them and they've been held back by one or two players. And my favorite is the Boston Celtics. A year ago, right, last season, they had a terrible start to their year to where they were under 500. And there should that should have never happened when you look at, right, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, even Marcus Smart, some of the guys around them, how good and talented that team was. Sometimes, for whatever reason, and again, it sounds like I'm making excuses, but name me one team that's gone from where they should and met every expectation and won a championship. Rarely happens. Steph Curry. Missed a couple of years because of his ankles, right? Nobody thought that he'd be the player he would be. He was even on the trade block, even though Golden State Warriors won't admit it. But there's always stumbling blocks. So you just hope you're going to end up on the right side of this one with Zion figuring things out. I agree with you because, look, they they are stuck on where they're at, right? And you've done everything that you can. The, the only other thing that I would say to that, and, and I get – and we're very lottery pick centric when it comes to building blocks. But the two-time league MVP was a second-round draft pick, right? The 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 Giannis was picked 15th overall as well. So you can build a team and build a championship contender in the modern NBA without top 5 picks. 
I, 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 I that that would be my only other thing because we're we've seen it happen in recent years. So I get what you're saying. I think it's too early, but if we go through this again, we'll wrap it up with this. If we go through this again and Zion plays less than 50 games again next year, and they're still just around 500, and they barely you know make the play-in tournament. Is it time for wholesale changes in New Orleans? Could be. Just like I had mentioned that Boston Celtics example, there were rumors that one of Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown needed to be gone before not this last deadline, but the one before. And, yeah, because expectations weren't met for several years. Correct. Pelicans would be close to being in that same boat, and especially if it's by a guy that just seemingly can't get it together health-wise, right? So you're not even giving yourself a chance on the court. So – I'm with you. I hope it turns around, but if, it, if we're talking about this again next summer or at the start of the summer, it's going to be awfully depressing because the choice might be clear. Well, bud, I didn't want to depress you. It wasn't my <laughs> intention because you are a ray of positivity, my friend. Thanks, Raymond. Yeah, I mean, it's unfortunate because I'm actually excited about this team outside of Zion. I'll quickly say, Trey Murphy, you guys know, you all saw it if you watched mm. him. He's become one of the best shooters and then some at his age, right? Second season. He I took think B.I. turned another corner as yep. a playmaker. And Herb, I can't stop talking about Herb because I think he's going to become actually an accurate enough shooter to where he's going to be one of the best two-way players out there. That's not an independent score, but guy can hit an open shot. And that's going to be huge for them, too. I didn't think Herb had that in him, but he's proven over the last yeah. half of this season that he can become a better shooter. Ollie, appreciate your time. As always, brother, enjoy the NBA playoffs, my friend. They've been great. If we could just get rid of the injuries, right? I mean, my goodness, Jonas, or um, excuse me, Giannis, John Moran, and then what, Tyler Hero breaking his hand? I don't want to see any more of that. No, I, I don't either. <laughs> Thank you, bud. Yep. This is RP3 and Company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. RP3 doesn't play around when it comes to his personal life. I got one NFL team. I got one college team. I got one Major League Baseball team. And the big fella's also monogamous when it comes to his sports fandom. That's what I got my merch for. That's who I support. Period. Call me old-fashioned. VN. Call me old-fashioned. That's fine. I'll be old-fashioned. RP3 is just committed to providing you with great sports talk here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana. Sports Station. Uh, just a programming reminder, Cajuns, Tigers, live from Alex Box Stadium. You can hear it tonight right here on the game, 6.30 first pitch as Matt Deggs' team takes on the number one ranked team in the country. Of course, I'll be there. Kevin Foote will be there. We'll have all types of coverage for you online and on social media as well. I want to take a moment to thank our guests, Brett Chancy of the Locked On Astros podcast, Jim Gazzolo from the Lake Charles American Press and the McNeese Coaches Show, and Ali Cassell, editor-in-chief of the Bird Rights. We did have a poll question of the day. Do you think the lack of regular season intensity, we're talking like load management, taking time off, has led to an increase in playoff injuries in the NBA? <clears throat> 38% say yes, 38% say no, 24% say not sure. 
That was a poll question. Shout out to my man with the two degrees for coming up big. How about the movement, though? I mean, we saw every time you updated it, you saw pretty significant swings there. That's not, you know, usually first first 30 minutes or so, we kind of know what our answer is going to be. That's, that's, uh, I like the, uh, the big changes. Maybe some of our comments kind of change people's minds, you like to think? I love it. B Rad says, nah, they're just a bunch of marshmallows. <laughs> that's a very old school take. Thanks to all who voted on the poll question of the day. <clears throat> Thanks to all who left their comments as well. Sorry, D'Lo, we ran out of time to talk USL and New Orleans Breakers for the second consecutive day. My apologies. That would be USFL. USFL. If the Breakers are one to know they're coming for the title. We'll get there. We'll get there. We'll have some USFL analysis sometime this week. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that's going to do it for today. We'll be back on tomorrow, 6 to 9. But until then, be safe out there. Be kind to one another. Kevin Foote in Footnotes is up next right here on The Game.